1: September 1st edition of the World Aware NFL Podcast, sponsored by Dynasty Owner, week one, officially less than 10 days away. Happy to kind of break down a little bit more of information. We have some news and notes to talk about, but first, but before we get into that, let's get a word from our sponsors, Dynasty Owner. I've been looking for a new challenge, which is why I'm playing Dynasty Honor Fantasy Football this season. Dynasty Owner Fantasy Football unites the fun and excitement of fantasy football with the skill and strategy of the front office. Dynasty Owner is the only way to play fantasy football with real NFL salaries, adding the strategy of running an NFL franchise. Dynasty provides a unique challenge for diehard fantasy football fanatics out there. Go to dynastyowner.com. roto leagues are forming now. That's dynastyowner.com. We've all been in a league where the winner just got lucky. If you're like me and know you're better than most... Dynasty Owner gives you the platform to prove it. And Dynasty Owner favors skilled players who can manage their, their roster using real NFL salaries within the salary cap. It adds an entirely new level of strategy. It was one I got to participate in last week, and I'm looking forward to playing it out throughout the rest of the year. Go to dynastyowner.com/slash Validate your fantasy skills today. That's dynastyowner.com/slash RotoWire. Dynasty Owner. Start your dynasty today. All right, Jake, hey, we're back. This is Mm -hmm. the last non-free agent podcast we'll be doing for the rest of the NFL season.
2: Yeah, it feels great, man. And and the other thing is two days from now... It will be one week until the NFL season opener, so there's actual football games on the schedule, actual football games in sight. Hopefully, your leagues are kind of getting together, scrapping together, a draft, and uh, figuring out a way to do it in you know some of these weird times.
1: I know I have to plan plan my friends and family league yet. Uh, I'm dragging my fiance, and we also have like an intern. Uh, kind of part timers, one that I also need to plan as well. So oh,
2: I, I wonder if, uh, will I get back invited to that? I feel like after were you being in mine here. Or for, are you in Doria's? Um, oh, I was in uh, Doria's, I think. All right,
1: so that should have already been sent out. I, was, I
2: almost feel bad for winning that. but. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, yeah, so I have to get both those set up. It's on my to do mm-hmm. list, and it's uh, an increasingly long to do list, which is what our yeah. job is right now i mean that's yeah, what exactly. happens when the nfl season is it's so crazy
2: cuz it's not just the nfl i mean everything is is going on whether it's hockey basketball playoffs you know there's a fight every weekend every saturday until december 12th so that that's going on in my world and you know college sports had some good news today too so it's a it's a good time to be a sports fan and kind of and come back from uh, what's been a really really sad summer and spring for the most part
1: yeah uh, it'll be hopefully a distraction for a lot of people out there too dealing with a lot of different things as well and I, I know I'm looking forward to the NFL coming back I was just mm-hmm. talking with my mom the other day and she was asking hey what do you think of the NFL season and I and I was like oh boy that's a, that's a load of <laughs> yeah, questions yeah, exactly where do I take <laughs> this one what do you think of football yeah ultimately you know having football back is great in whatever capacity we get and I'm looking forward to it and hopefully you mm-hmm. out there listening as well preparing for your drafts and getting set for that again 10 days away before the start of the official NFL season next week's podcast Jake and I will be breaking on our first rendition of the pickups Mm -hmm. to uh, to kind of target throughout your season, get you prepared for that week one waiver wire targets, things like that. So this is the last official strategy-related podcast, and quite frankly – feel like we touched on a lot of different strategies throughout there, so mm-hmm. this might be more of a news and notes going over a few of our recent drafts. You mm-hmm. complete the Vegas draft. I complete the Vegas draft as well. Uh, of course, we weren't able to do that in Vegas, so this is more of an online mm-hmm. portion. I did have another NFFC draft that we finished as well, so uh, we'll kind of go over that mix that in with a little bit of our uh, news and notes that have happened throughout the throughout yeah. the week and really the last two mm-hmm. days. I know that Liss and Jeff covered the Leonard Fournette-Elvin Kamara situation pretty thoroughly mm-hmm. yesterday, so yeah. we'll try. Year clear of those targets for the most part. Not
2: that Fournette was going in the first round, but just looking at that whole first round outside of the top three four picks, suddenly there's a lot of question marks. We don't know what Delvin Cook's going to do exactly. We don't know what Kamara's going to do exactly. Joe Mixon is Joe migraine. Mixon has his mm-hmm. migraine slash fake holdout that I know Mario and John don't think it's an actual holdout, <laughs> and I I tend to believe those guys. Uh, but, but the first round's getting very interesting and starting to get risky. Like after after you know you get your McCaffrey, Saquon, Zeke, then it's like okay. Well, do I take Michael Thomas in a year that needs to be running back heavy? Do I take Derrick Henry, even if it's a PPR league? Or is it time to start thinking about Chubb?
1: Rolling James. the dice on a rookie, yep. like Clyde Edward solaire too, right? I mean, like, mm-hmm. there's, it's tough. And I, I do feel like this has happened more recently in, in past years. Like, we had the Melvin Gordon contract situation kind of cloud things a little bit too. Mm-hmm. We've had that. Other than the top tier, that three, four, five running back range, there's a couple of weeks in August where you're like, all right, yeah, I feel very clear that there's a top-five mm-hmm. uh, hierarchy. And then for whatever the reason, last yep. two or three seasons, that has gone completely mm-hmm. out of the wayside. It's like a cannonball has been shot yep. and, and destroying the, the mid-tier fantasy draft spots, which mm-hmm. I have said and I will continue to say is my favorite spot to draft in this year. Yeah, ex- It's exactly. harder, though.
2: Yeah, it's getting a lot tougher because you would think – I, th- I would say that for every Ezekiel Elliott that holds out and get his gets his money, there's going to be a Melvin Gordon that holds out and doesn't get his money. So these guys have some real tough decisions to make. And and I would think with the Gordon situation last year, how you know not much of that ended up working in his favor here. I would think with that situation, these guys would kind of realize what they're getting into. I mean, I comfortably had Cook and Mixon as my RB one and two in an auction draft. I did uh, this past Sunday night. I'm cool with that. Um, I'm not super worried about these guys yet, but it does it really calls into Question that sixth, seventh, eighth pick because it gets a lot tougher.
1: If there were better options available, I think it would be a no-brainer to kind of fade mm-hmm. these. But I mean, we've talked about now the last month or so, and I know every other dynasty or dynasty expert, every other expert, fantasy wise out there, has said the same thing. Mm-hmm. You're going to see running backs go really fast, really heavy in those first two rounds. That won't change even if they're going to end up holding out. You might lose, but you might lose if they get hurt anyway too. So I don't know if the the holdout situations are all equal, right? Melvin Gordon, you thought didn't have a lot of leverage. Uh, why he chose to go that direction. Okay. A little bit different. Kamara does. Saints are Super Bowl caliber team. Uh, there's not a lot of money to go around, which Jeff and Liz kind of detailed last or yesterday in the last podcast. However, we've seen the eagles and other teams the chiefs now most recently be able to do a lot of magic with that salary cap it's just a number it's it's just mm-hmm. a number and it can be worked around whatever way yeah. so if the saints if bill do bill Belichick's
2: taught us anything
1: yeah if if the saints do want to have this problem taken care of they can take care of it regardless if they have 4.4 or 24.4 million this year like that's one of those things where i get it the the covid-19 situation might make a salary cap limitations for next year a very plausible outcome but that doesn't mean they can't address something this year and we've seen it with numerous contracts uh aaron Rodgers, and specifically i'm thinking mm-hmm. of where you're putting it front loaded money so the back end is there like there's things like that you can do that make it just a number that that mm-hmm. shouldn't be that big of an issue and the, it applies to delvin cook too like the, the vikings just trade for yannick nangakwe yesterday uh, or was it sunday one of the two days it, it was
2: within the last couple of days but they right. made it think "Ooh, maybe that was some of their cook money
1: yep and and I think that if if they wanted to make Hook a priority, they would. So that's where I, I get with these hold on situations overall.
2: Yeah. I mean overall I've I've spread out my love in first round running backs quite a bit. I did my I'm seven drafts in, I think, and I did my tallies and I don't have more than two shares of a single, you know, Early caliber running back with Chubb and Le'Veon Bell being guys that I ended up with just because I've got a Delvin Cook, a Joe Mixon, a Christian McCaffrey, it and Ezekiel Elliott. I mean, looking down this list here, a couple, one Derrick Henry, one Jonathan Taylor. So I, I've been spreading the love out a lot, a little bit, and my my commonalities, I guess, if that's even a word, I end up falling in the in the wide receiver position. Good so. for
1: you for bumping that draft up to seven now. Well, that's that was a high riser from last week when you were definitely trying to get those best balls in. All right. Mm-hmm. Well, and the reason you have to do that. Is because guys like Zach Moss, who just returned to practice um, yesterday after missing a couple – or I'm sorry, today, after missing a couple days with a neck injury, he didn't really participate practice-wise. He's a non-contact, but he's still Mm -hmm. there doing some things. I mean he affects a guy like Devin Singletary who is going in the fifth or sixth round that maybe in past years you'd say, hey, I'll take the – I'll roll the dice on him. However, there's already competition just set in the backfield who they invested a draft pick in. Uh, despite a prominent year last year for Devin Singletary.
2: Yeah, it's tough with some of these guys because just because they invested a prominent draft pick doesn't mean this guy automatically steps in and gets to play. It's not like it's a first-round pick that's being used on a running back here. Singletary's average draft position over the last week in NFFC drafts is still 57 overall, so about you know kind of the fifth round where you'd, uh, you'd suggest him. And I love him in the fifth round. I think part of the reason we're seeing his position stay there is because a lot of times in that fifth round, if you needed a running back, you were choosing between Singletary and David Montgomery. A lot of times, right. now Montgomery's kind of fallen out of that picture a little bit. DeAndre Swift is another guy that's real close up in there, but you know we can talk about him in a little bit. He's been a little banged up too. Um, I, I absolutely like getting Singletary, especially if you weren't able to secure two running backs in your first three picks. I think Singletary has to be the guy you target coming back. I mean. I feel like we've stressed a lot of these points on the show before, but you have a a run happy quarterback, you know that can that is capable of drawing defenders away because Josh Allen is a running threat here, and and I think this is a team that'll have more positive game script than last year too, and 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 Singletary did get uh, vultured by Frank Gore quite a bit. I don't quite think Moss is the same threat because, well, one, no one's Frank Gore, and two, if Moss isn't 100%, uh, there there could be a slow start there, and not to mention just rookies in general this year maybe being a little bit low on because of the lack of a rookie minicamp, lack of reps, no preseason whatsoever to see any of these guys. So I'm feeling pretty good about Singletary in the fifth round. That's one of the things that's remained pretty steady uh, and unchanged throughout draft season.
1: The thing I felt a little bit more confident with Singletary he feels like the clear pass catcher of the group. Now, the Bills have a lot of different guys, right? Stephon Diggs. Uh, we have Cole Beasley, who was a factor last year that probably doesn't. John Brown just returned to practice, too. We've seen some reports say Dawson Knox has had a good camp. Like There's some, there's some groups of guys out there that can do some things. But if your quarterback is wildly inaccurate, how about making it a little bit easier by only throwing it two or three yards to Singletary? And I think he has the benefit over Moss in terms of the pass-catching threat, which Mm -hmm. makes a difference. So even if he gets vultured a little bit at the end zone again by Moss, okay, in a PPR perspective, he probably is the safest of those uh, round four or five running backs. And I kind of actually have Singletary higher Mm -hmm. than Todd Gurley, for example. I think really James Conner is the only one of that – uh, upper uh, fourth, lower fifth tier that I feel most comfortable with. I know mm-hmm. people are going to talk about J.K. Dobbins, and, and actually, we will as well because there was a report coming out of for, uh, coming out today for him. And guys are high and swift too because he's this new sexy thing we've never seen before in the NFL field. Mm-hmm. I think Singletary played really well, and this is an offense that's going to be able to control the control. They're going to control the ball because their defense is so good and they can do whatever they want. It's going to be like the 49ers last year, in my opinion. I think Mm -hmm. Singletary, again, in the fifth round, that's your safest of your running back options. I actually doubled down. He was my flex in a recent NFFC draft I did last night in the fifth round, and I felt pretty comfortable with that. I got three running Mm -hmm. backs within my first five picks. And, um, and and I thought that was okay.
2: In the in the NFFC over the last seven days, Singletary's fifty seven and Ronald Jones is fifty eight. When I know you, you're a Ronald Jones fan, we kind of disagree on that a little bit. I don't quite think his volume, his projected volume or share of that backfield is as high as you know you would expect from a fifty eighth round pick. But if you came around on Singletary enough to take
1: him over Jones. I think it was di- just diversifying the shares a little bit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <there laughs> I mean, that, that's really that's really all it came mm-hmm. down to. David Montgomery was selected right before Singletary. Uh, mm-hmm. I had Acres and Mostert taken within six picks of, of wow. my Singletary selection, and mm-hmm. then Swift and Fournette were taken afterwards.
2: Yeah, that's crazy because I had Montgomery and Singletary is basically a tie with maybe a slight edge towards Singletary uh, early in draft season, and then there's the injury, and then it's okay. Well, it's a clear cut Singletary now, but Montgomery went first.
1: Yeah, Montgomery mm-hmm. went first. I was surprised by that, and I I would have Singletary over Mostert every day, mm-hmm. and I'm a little bit concerned. I was really racking my head yesterday as to to where Fournette falls. He's going to go somewhere. Where does it work? I'm a little bit concerned he ends up going to the, going to the Rams, which would really make a fourth round Cam Akers just completely inept. Mm-hmm. And, and honestly, Daryl Henderson is already having some hamstring in, injuries too. Like that's a, that's a different thing. Where I think Fournette yeah. and Akers would project mm-hmm. to do similar stuff. For a Rams offense, mm-hmm. but Gurley wasn't known to be the super great pass catcher and do like multi dimensional threat mm-hmm. until after McVay came yeah. there. I think you know?
2: Fournette could really succeed uh, with the Rams, and there, we we kind of mentioned that with rumors. You know, him and Jalen Ramsey have a connect- connection. Connection. Jalen Ramsey seems to like the like the, his new situation there. And again, there's no dominant true backer there's none, none of those guys you think of as short yardage guys I've been pretty shocked to see Cam Akers get up to 47 in the NFFC ADP over the last couple weeks I think that's quite a bit high especially for a rookie that wasn't even considered one of the elite rookies I mean he's sneaking up little by little not quite to Jonathan Taylor territory but you know it's getting close
1: in there and I, I think, think that's, that 47 was my draft I think I think that that forty seven exactly that you're looking, dot. I think that's my draft. Yeah, that oh. was the highest the high point for yeah. Cam Akers. Mm-hmm. See, I, I don't
2: look at the individual draft. I go to the NFFC ADP website and then I adjust the date to seven days out because I want to see kind of how uh, how the market is reacting to the four, nets, four net situation, or you know, where is Armstead going to sneak up in that situation? You know, Jeff and Liz hit on that a lot yesterday, so you don't wow. need to get into that. But that's just, I think that in because last weekend was statistically the most popular draft weekend of the entire year now I understand it's a little bit different this year because the season starts a week later and having no preseason obviously makes a lot of people forget that fantasy football is even a thing um, but now I think we're to the point where you can go seven days back and there's a high enough sample size of drafts to make this data really reliable normally you know the default is it starts in February and you look at the whole set of set of drafts right. and that, that's a little too much I would go back a month or two weeks before but as we get closer to this point it's safer to go seven days out and then you get the market reactions to the latest news
1: yeah i just bring it up some looking at the Mm -hmm. results of my draft i did last night the road online championship uh, for the nffc and acres 147 so i I, that might actually be the high point that uh we're talking about right there which is kind of a cool thing support for this podcast comes from u.s bank when you're looking for a credit card get one that
0: wins awards The U.S. Bank Visa Platinum card is NerdWallet's 2021 Best of Awards winner for Best 0% Intro APR and Balance Transfer credit card. It provides a great way to pay for large purchases over time as well as consolidating other card balances. And speaking of award winners, the U.S. Bank Altitude Go Visa Signature Card is NerdWallet's 2021 Best Credit Card for Dining Out or Ordering In. Earn 4 times points on takeout, food delivery, and dining. Get 2 times points at gas stations, grocery stores, and on streaming. If you're into cash back or travel rewards, U.S. Bank has credit cards that feature those benefits, too. Check out their full suite of credit cards at usbank.com slash credit card. The creditor and issuer of these cards is U.S. Bank National Association, pursuant to a license from Visa USA Inc., and the cards are available to United States residents only. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC.
1: Moving on to J.K. Dobbins, I mentioned him a little bit earlier, um, both DeAndre Swift and Dobbins, I think, have kind of been rising up draft boards a little bit because there's just this... Um, lack of letdown that has occurred so far for both these rookie running backs. Dobbins is getting talked up quite a bit. We've known now for a while he's had an excellent training camp. The Ravens have been very aggressive in suggesting that he's been doing well. But this might be the most uh, egregious example of that with John Harbaugh suggesting Dobbins will have a week one role immediately now. What does that mean? Is he going to be taking snaps away from Mark Ingram or is he going to be away from Gus Edwards? Because there's two wildly different uh, different outcomes if it's the Gus Edwards train or if it's the Mark, Edru- Mark, Mark mm-hmm. Ingram train. So it's, it's interesting. What, what's your thoughts on Dobbins? I know there's a lot of popular fantasy experts out there that have been pushing him, saying if he gets the playing time, he's going to be a league winner. I don't doubt that. I just doubt he's going to have a playing time. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, I mean, if you get to that fifth round and, and your Singletary types are already taken, um, I actually don't, I like J.K. Dobbins a lot because even if Mark Ingram gets, you know, 15, 20 snaps or touches per game even, I think that this is an offense that one is going to be very run heavy, of course. They were one of the tops in the league last year. Kind of them in Minnesota are the two that I think of when I think of the most run balanced team in 2020, a passing league here. And between Lamar Jackson, between Mark Ingram, and, and between J.K. Dobbins, who I believe will be the third guy. I think there's enough for all three of those guys to eat plenty. Um, and I'm not suggesting Mark Ingram slowing down, but at 30 years old, I mean, not everybody's Frank Gore. At 30 years old, there starts to be a point here, and he's been in the league since 2011 and has gotten a lot of carries. So uh, just something to think about there. I mean, not that durability has necessarily been an issue, 15 games last year, 12 games the year before for Ingram. But I think Dobbins, he's one of the rare college running backs that – you know outside of Jonathan Taylor uh you know big Ten country up here so I've actually seen a ton of J k Dobbins play he looks outstanding he's good. He's he looks a really outstanding good on, on on tape and and he's running through some of these big big ten defenses that get you know the big boys <laughs> at the defensive line up here in uh farming country I guess we could say but uh, uh I don't even know where I'm going with that but JK Dobbins is awesome I've seen him run through some very quality defenses in the big Ten he's he's an exceptional player he um I'm trying to, I'm looking at his pass catching data it's there it's not his primary strength you know he caught 20 balls a year for the three seasons in college i think he's seasoned enough um to where he's going to become a factor right away now lead back no but i don't think you need to be the lead back To warrant a sixth round pick, sixth round pick value here because, I mean, Baltimore's defense is excellent. That's part of the reason that they're going to uh, continue to have a run heavy approach. So I think there's room for both of these guys, Ingram and Dobbins. So that makes Dobbins RB2 flex territory week to week, but there'll be a few weeks out of the
1: year where he can get bumped to RB1 territory, I think. He makes a lot of sense in a best ball format. I don't disagree there. But Mm -hmm. like, here's an example in a full point PPR, Devontae Parker, Keenan Allen, or Dobbins. Mm-hmm. It's, well yeah, it's, that- it's any of those Well, I just had that conversation. I had to, I had to make that choice last night. I, I took Devontae Parker. I Dobbins was taken right before, but I was going to go Parker hands down every time. I know you love Keenan Allen. I do too. I'll take Keenan Allen every single time, so it's great. Let's mm-hmm. go ahead and push these rookie running backs up. But when it's coming at the expense of some star wide receivers, whether it be Michael Gallup or T.Y. Hilton, uh, Deontay mm-hmm. Johnson, who is a early favorite, um, like early August favorite to say for fantasy football experts, like there's there's a lot of really quality wide receivers left that we're talking about. Mm-hmm. It potentially. Uh, Committee backfield, whether beat yeah. Ingram or Dobbins.
2: So just to paint the picture, in the last seven days, Dobbins' ADP is sixty nine. LOL, Gronk. You know, uh, going in front of him is uh, Tyler Boyd, Michael Gallup, Kyler Murray, Stefan Diggs, T. Y. Hilton.
1: Mm, yeah, you know, it's in not, a full it's point like PPR, talking, it's it's yeah. Boyd it, for yeah, sure. It's
2: Boyd. I'm yeah, about. it's it's Boyd. Yeah, but then you start to get to some of these guys like. You know, T.Y. Hilton with a new quarterback, what's the chemistry like there? Stephon Diggs with a new quarterback, what's the chemistry like there? It's going to really depend on team context at this point. Did you use any of those early picks on a, on a wide receiver? Going behind J.K. Dobbins, we have Darren Waller, Will Fuller, who's, you know, very boom or bust. Uh, Russell Wilson, probably not drafting a quarterback in that range anyway. A.J. Green, I don't need a piece of. Deshaun Watson, another quarterback. Jarvis Landry, we sneak in there, and then you kind of get your, your, your safe, boring guys like James White and Julian Edelman. So... Yeah, 69 seems appropriate. There's a couple guys going ahead of him that maybe if I were doing rankings and starting with this, I'd probably have – I could find maybe three or four guys that are above him now that I'd put Dobbins above. But uh, drafting him as your RB2 is a little bit risky, especially if you need points out of the gates.
1: How about DeAndre Swift, who's been missing practices now for a while with an undisclosed injury? That really freaks me out when it comes to fantasy football at this point of the year when we don't really know what it is. And he just returned and did some limited workload on the side for the Lions. Evidently, he's going to be able to do that again. There wasn't any major setback. But again, how do you know what a setback is when we don't know what he was suffering from to begin with? So mm-hmm. that's a big concern for me when you're also considering Swift is going in the fifth, sixth, seventh round of drafts as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is, uh, this
2: is another tough situation. And, uh, I have zero shares of Swift right now. I don't know if I'm going to get one. If I, if I get one, it'll just be to kind of balance things out, but I still think I need to see his price a little bit more. Um, he had better receiving years than Dobbins in college or a couple years. Uh, you know, he had 32 receptions in 2018 over the same amount of games in 2020, but not thought of, of as a receiver necessarily between his injury and the pass catching ability. I mean, this, this Lions defense is not one that uh, you know people are getting crazy excited they're gonna about. They're going to be a bad team just they're in gonna, general. They're going to be a bad team in general, so I think we're going to see a lot of throwing. And when that's the case, I start to become a little bit more interested in a guy like on Johnson. Now he's he's wearing that knee brace for his peace of mind. You know he missed eight games last year. Um, capable pass catcher. Somebody who definitely got a lot of hype at one point, but has never really been able to deliver. Whether it be because of his rookie season, largely because of injuries. But for perspective, I've got zero DeAndre Swift. He was going at an auction I was in on Sunday at six dollars. Did not bid on him, and later on I ended up snaking Carryon Johnson for two dollars. You know, at the very end. So you know, I'm fine with taking that approach uh, because John- on Johnson's being the way he's being drafted, he's not a starter right now. So you get someone. That maybe he's kind of one of those post-type sleeper players that cashes in, and then who knows what happens with that Swift injury or if Swift gets as much of a bulk of the workload as a lot of people are projecting him to. I think that uncertainty makes his price a little bit high for me.
1: Yeah, and, and you talk about the pass catchers for Detroit. I actually think Jason Huntley who they drafted in the 5th round this year makes the most sense as as the the main guy like if they are trailing it's the theoretic of this Lions offense uh they and they invest a higher pick in him in the 5th round which means that Swift and Carry on Johnson would come off the field potentially. And again, I have to think the Lions are going to be maybe a four or five win team this year. And if that's the case, they're more often than not trailing. Mm-hmm. Stafford's going to get his numbers. I like Stafford a lot as a QB 10 to 14 range just because he's going to have to pass. But I don't know if I like either one of those running backs, especially one that's been missing over a week with an undisclosed injury mm-hmm. and another one that needs to wear a knee brace for comfort. Like that, yeah, the, exactly. The, neither, neither one of those are sexy mm-hmm. things to look about. I'm not crazy about.
2: high on that, but if I can get carry on. At, I think the two – I mean – I would say the two have arguably a similar ceiling. You know, if one of the two doesn't pan out, then the other guy has a big opportunity ahead of him. I don't expect to see a ton of Bo Scarborough this year. No, no. So, so what I'm saying is, I'll take the two dollar player over the six to twelve dollar player when I when the upsides to me yeah, are a little ne- bit similar.
1: Neither of them are going for that in a normal auction draft. Like Swift is probably a twenty dollar player. I'm pretty sure he went around for that in our stake league. Mm-hmm. And carry-ons more like an eight or ten dollar player. I don't know what your what your auction values yeah. are. Different. Other Players, I mean, Carrion's
2: like, not a top 100 player even, though, in the... Um,
1: yeah, I still think he's... like That's the Tevin Coleman, Matt Breida, Jordan Howard range, which mm-hmm. is the 8 to $12 shrug your shoulders. I have a little bit of money left, and I need to run back four. That's kind of what it is. And Swift mm-hmm. is still like... He's being drafted as if he could be a flex running back three or mm-hmm. running back two. If you really decide to fade the position, yeah. I don't want any of yeah. that.
2: Right now, the the ADP has Swift at fifty nine over the last seventy days. He's ahead of Hollywood Brown and Devontae Parker, which to me is criminal.
1: And he's ahead of Dobbins too, right? Who is sixty nine? Mm-hmm. Ha Gronk, right? Like yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So, so he's ahead of so. M- I, that's The ridiculous. price is
2: just way up there for me. Uh, no way. Yeah, the only so so exactly. I guess to summarize the point, the only way I'm getting a little piece of any of that Detroit backfield. You know, a running back on a bad team. That kind of what's, it makes me hesitant with uh, with Jacksonville too, because they're a team that's clearly tanking and they're going to be horrible. Do you really want the RB one, or do you really want the RB one on the Dolphins last year? Think about it that way. Right. You know, there's not necessarily a guaranteed value there just because the guy's a starter here. So uh, if anything, I take carry on, but at a very, very, very steep discount, and that's about the only share. And that's I followed through with that so far. I think I've got one piece.
1: We didn't really. Get much news throughout the day, at least as of this recording. But we have got news throughout this past week of the Jets just doing Jets stuff, and it really isn't mm-hmm. their fault. But man, I mean, like you talk about a team that already wasn't good that's going to look even worse by the start of Week One. It feels like here we go. Denzel Mims not practicing. There's their second round pick that they invested a draft pick in, or that they invested highly, and in, obviously mm-hmm. as a second round pick. Uh, Jameson Crowder didn't practice with a lower leg injury. Evidently, it's not serious. Well, that's fine. Uh, Brashad Perriman, who they signed in the offseason instead of um, bringing back Robbie Anderson. Okay, great. He was supposed to return to practice Saturday. And we are now three days later, still no practice time yet. You look at the depth chart, and actually there was a a picture that Jerry Donabedian shared on Twitter earlier today of just how many guys listed as questionable. I think it's like eight of the Jets' top 12 pass catchers, including Chris Herndon, who is this supposed-to-be-breakout tight end star for a lot of people, that all have limiting injuries right now. I don't know if it's just that we're finally seeing the Jets' revolt against Adam Gase, but... Uh I'm here for it as somebody that doesn't care for the Jets and also thinks most of their players are not very good for fantasy.
2: Yeah, the only piece that I've really had any interest in there, you know, Herndon hasn't quite fit into my tight end equation yet. But the only guy that I have multiple shares of is Jameson Crowder because there's experience here. Um, you know, he was good enough last year with very subpar quarterback play and you know, he's been productive as a as a wide receiver you know, over his career in the NFL. So he's the guy that I have. I took him at the eight-nine turn in our Vegas draft. I'm okay with that. He's kind of as my I took him at the same time as Deontay Johnson because I needed a wide receiver three and I figure, yeah, maybe one of those guys will will pan out. You know, Crowder's still only twenty seven years old. He says that the tightness in his lower leg isn't serious. I love how they're doing hockey injuries now. Here, I know it's so um, frustrating. Mm-hmm. But I mean, Crowder had the best year of his career in 2019, catching uh, 78 passes for 833 yards. Um, those are uh, the yards was close to a career high. Six touchdowns was very close to a career high. The yards per target weren't so great, but you have to think about the quarterback play he dealt with last year. Um, and now, you know, assuming Sam Darnold can get a little bit better. You know, it's a similar setup for him. He should have better numbers in this case. I don't worry about Perriman. I think he's, his quote-unquote breakout was very opportunistic last year. I don't necessarily trust the rookie that's banged up in Denzel Mims. You know, he's not going to suddenly have the Odell Beckham year and come back and we, you know, Three, four, five, and, and and tear things up. I don't see that coming.
1: Well, Chris Mario Johnson gets the Jalen Rager role. We might as well just yeah. rename that now, based yeah, off those exactly. guys exactly. That's kind of where
2: I got the idea from, <laughs> from from seeing that. Yeah, they call that the Jalen Rager, the Odell Beckham, <laughs> and, and I mean Chris Hogan. We know what Chris Hogan is. He was a very uh, you know mediocre producer with a Hall of Fame quarterback in Tom Brady. I don't think uh, his, his stats are suddenly shooting up here. You know, that's a that's a wide receiver six in your sixteen team league. That you know you PPR maybe so. Again, given the lack of other options, you know, and and being banged up. The only guy, I mean, I do have some Le'Veon Bell. I, I know Frank Gore is there. I know. All of us listening to the show have been burned by Frank Gore, vulturing and carries from one of your running backs in the past. I've got a couple Le'Veon Bell. He's one of the few running backs I have multiple shares you're of. You're not worried about
1: Kalen Balaj coming in and stealing that too? They just traded for him uh, like last week. It's a joke. Don't don't worry about it. I was, was, was going to say, did
2: I, they cut him right away? Because we don't even have him on the on our depth I, chart. I thought
1: they traded for him. Maybe it was a situation where they bounced back. But no, it, Gase <laughs> talked about how he was really excited to have that special teams threat for Kalen Balaj. Oh, yeah, God. you're right. He failed the physical. No.
2: <laughs> <laughs> What a, what a
1: good oh my way, God! What a, yeah. what a good way to uh, kind of circle around his career. Mm-hmm. Thank you, thank you. So no no worries about was, Cam. Yeah, Blige. I was
2: going to say, well, we don't have him on our depth chart, so <laughs> either there's an oversight or something fell through, and there we have it. But yeah, um, but Denzel Mims, I mean, you, it, it has to be a deep dynasty league for that to be attractive. I don't see him going anywhere in twelve team leagues, um, maybe fourteen team leagues with three wide receivers, just sneak him for a buck at the end. That's what you're looking at there. Uh, Perriman, again, Mario and and John talk. At length about this on on last week's show about the Jets situation, how Parriman, you know, had a, it was a very opportunistic breakout when the Bucks' top receivers were were injured or, or slowed down, and James Winston is just chucking the ball deep to a guy like Parriman, like one like James Winston does. So I I, I don't see that Parriman production over the over the end there. He was a he was a flash in the pan for DFS players, and I think that's going to be the peak of his fantasy career. But Crowder is the guy with the experience and the right career trajectory, and hopefully. Can sustain some good numbers So he's not a sexy pick I don't think By any means But um, he reminds me he, uh, he's been more productive than a guy like Devontae Parker was heading into last year's big breakout, but he reminds me of a guy that's kind of floated around on the, uh, on the replacement level in fantasy leagues, but could get you a few notches above that. I don't think he's a league winning play, but he's a, a safe wide receiver three play on most weeks. Given He's the
1: Randall Cobb. I mean, that's he's the Randall Cobb of fantasy, especially when mm-hmm. Cobb was with the Packers uh, and even last year too, at times for the Cowboys as well. So I, 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 that Jets offense, I think, is bottom six in the NFL right now, maybe maybe even a little bit worse than that. Um, I, I know there's listeners out there who can point out different places, Washington, Jacksonville, uh, both have very obvious weaknesses for as great as uh, I think Stephon Diggs can be and I think as great as J- uh, John Brown is. Josh Allen's a little bit limiting as well um, for that. So there's there's some question marks on the Patriots, too. I mean, like basically all of the AFC East is just a uh, bad Overall, And I I don't know how much you're getting value from them fantasy-wise. But it'll be interesting kind of watch for now. uh, Basically, every pass catcher for the Jets is injured at some capacity. So keep that in mind if you are looking to target them in your uh, standard or PPR drafts, for that matter. Mm -hmm. The one other note that I wanted to get to, Darrington Evans, a rookie pick this year for the Titans, has missed six straight practices. He has been the guy that been uh backing up to Derrick Henry in drafts right now and I did that in the mm-hmm. stake league auction. I did in one other one other draft as well too. That's concerning to me. And I've talked um ad nauseum now about A.J. Brown essentially being the backup to Derrick Henry. But seriously, when mm-hmm. when or if Henry ends up getting injured at some point with as much toll that he takes on his body, you have to have to think something like that could be down the line there isn't anybody else there and I almost wonder if a guy like Devonta Freeman makes sense to be signed. I know the Mm -hmm. Titans don't have a lot of money either but just just like trying to project where some of these back of backup veterans could go four net maybe two in some capacity it's yeah. just uh
2: you seem it's to, hard you seem to be of the mindset that you know at some point henry's gonna break down yeah is, is what i'm getting from you I,
1: well i just i want to prepare i want to prepare if that happens because mm-hmm. I, I normally don't invest in henry so this is the year that i have multiple mm-hmm. shares of him and this will be the year that he breaks down that's okay, how my yeah, luck just, works
2: just how the luck works i'm sort of looking at this the other way here if you're in a non-ppr draft here and you want something safe like his ADP, and his ADP is not quite there. I mean, the, the NFFC, which is uh, full PPR full point, here. Yep. Yeah, he's eight in the NFFC. But looking at the guys ahead of him, Delvin Cook. Are you worried about his contract? You know, at least Derrick Henry's paid. Clyde Edwards hilaire Are you worried about a rookie, or are you worried about them bringing some someone else in right above him? Michael Thomas. I mean, it's a receiver. He's about as safe as they get. Uh, Alvin Kamara. Hold out. Who knows? You know, but he should have the leverage. Like, how high could Derrick Henry go if it's a non PPR draft? Because he. In my he's eyes, four. could be RB4 or he's, should be RB4 he's, he's four in me. non-PPR. And he carries less risk than some of the guys like Edwards, Hilaire, Cook, and and even Sanders and Mixon because you know he is the guy. Uh, I don't think you can draft – I mean, all these other guys have more tangible risk. As So, you know, we're looking at holdouts and other situations with Henry. It's like, oh, well, maybe he could get hurt. Well, everybody carries that risk, right? So I could see Henry sneaking up. You know, if you want to be risk-averse and you want to make sure you get one of those solid running backs – If you told me you were taking Henry at four, I wouldn't blame you for it. I'm not quite sure that's a move I'd make myself, but, you know, it could
1: happen. Oh, I'll take Henry at four every day. And to reinforce your point... We actually had List take Nick Chubb, number five overall, in our Vegas draft, which is also standard scoring. There is no PPR aspect, mm-hmm. and he wrote about it on the site, too. I think Nick Chubb at five makes complete sense, and, and I know it's crazy, mm-hmm. right? Like His ADP is more like a second-round guy, but in a standard scoring, I'll gladly have Nick Chubb in the fifth, fifth overall spot. over all those guys you mentioned, I'll add one more to the name. Give me Josh Jacobs as number six overall in a standard scoring setting. I'm mm-hmm. going to push... All those guys, Cook, Kamara, Sanders, D- Kenny Drake, Aaron Jones, all of them are going to move back in a standard scoring mm-hmm. where I'm not getting dinged as much for the lack of yeah. pass catching.
2: This is amazing how it can highlight the difference between PPR and non-PPR because I, I don't the exact number, uh, we'll check lately, but 12 of the first, team, first 14 picks in ADP are typically running backs, uh, but the order that they go in is so different. In either of these. so And then there's the holdout things, like making things a little more complex. So, yeah, uh, Jacobs, Chubb, those are guys that, uh, you know, sometimes you can get coming back to you in uh, in the second round, yes. which is amazing. I saw our Peter Schenke did a did an NFFC draft in his beat Peter Schenke league. I don't know what people were thinking, but they let Zeke slip to him at five overall. Yeah. And then Chubb got to him coming back in an NFFC draft where people are all supposed to have skin in the game. And this to be a high-stakes thing, like – Whoa, how is that happening? You know, And I understand it's PPR. That would look a whole lot sexier in non-PPR, but you'd never get that in non-PPR. So uh, congrats congrats to him and uh, boo on those guys who let that happen.
1: Yeah, I felt really good about getting Edward Solaire number eight overall in my NFFC draft last night and then mm-hmm. coming back and getting Eckler in the second round which mm-hmm. was, I think, like pick 16 yeah. this, in a full-point PPR.
2: Yeah. That's nice. That's glorious in full-point right. PPR. I, I'd be all in on that.
1: Yeah, so we'll, we're going to talk more about our drafts. So you also completed your Vegas draft as well. I got done a little bit earlier than yours. Mm-hmm. Uh, we can kind of go over those. I want to get a word from our sponsors, though. We'll start first with Fan Draft. Take your league's fantasy football draft to the next level with FanDraft, the online fantasy football draft board. FanDraft makes your draft feel like an actual NFL draft with features such as a streaming ticker, live draft clock, custom logos, team walk-up songs, multiple draft order displays, and more. FanDraft can be used offline for in-person drafts, or you can export the display via projector onto a large screen for the TV to uh, onto a large screen TV for the league to enjoy. And you can do it fully remotely too. You can perform traditional and auction-style drafts. FanDraft also supports IDPs, rookie-only drafts, keepers. Really, just about any customation to meet your leak requirements, Fandraft has you covered. You can sign up for a free trial account at fandraft.com. When you're ready to order the pro account, make sure to use promo code RotoPod15 to save 15% off your purchase. Again, that's fandraft.com and use promo code ROTOPOD15 to save you 15% off the Pro Football Account. Or pro, pro account, I should say. Let's also get a word from our sponsors. Underdog, say hello to your new favorite place to play fantasy football for real money, Underdog Fantasy. With Underdog, all you need is the fun part. Just draft. Forget about injuries, trades, waivers, and sitting laps. Just set it, forget it, and waiting for the, wait for the winnings to come in. This year, they have $1 million tournament. That's right. Just draft the best team, and you have a shot at $1 million in prizes. Sign up for Underdog today and enter the best ball mania for a chance at $1 million in prizes by going to underdogfantasy.com or searching for Underdog Fantasy in your app store. Be sure to enter the code RotoWare after you make your first deposit. Okay, what's the best strategy here, Jake? Do you want to talk more about your Vegas draft? Should we go into a little mm-hmm. bit more detail about the NFFC again? We bring up these drafts, A, because uh, we've we've ran out of time to do any strategy-related stuff. We're mm-hmm. 10 days away from the NFL season. You better be prepared for it as best you can. The way to get prepared, doing some of these drafts, drafts, listening to experts doing their drafts, and figuring out how you want to handle your strategy moving forward mm-hmm. when you are drafting against your friends and family. Yeah.
2: So I, I guess I'll do my first, mine first because it, I did have the first pick in this draft, and this is unique. This is the first and possibly the only draft I'll get the first pick in. So I'll run down the team in a little strategy, just a couple minutes. But there are a couple other points that I wanted to make just because this draft was still happening when the Four Net news happened. So how did owners react to that, and that and that kind of situation? So Of course, even in non PPR, I took Christian McCaffrey first. Had to get myself at least one of him. Coming back, I was lucky enough to have Kittle fall to me. Dig that. Then got DeAndre Hopkins, my first and only share of him. Um, You know, a guy that I wanted to get a piece of. Then I didn't expect to do this, but at the four or five turn, I got James Conner and Le'Veon Bell. Again, I'm not finding myself to be a huge Le'Veon Bell fan this year necessarily, but at a fifth round price, I'm all over it. So I grabbed him, and that was basically at the cost of saying, okay, I probably won't get Kyler Murray to pair up with DeAndre Hopkins. Then coming back, oh, guess what? I did get Kyler Murray to pair up with DeAndre <laughs> Hopkins, and then I started kind of reaching for wide receivers here because I needed uh, wide receivers two and three basically after Hopkins. You know that it was it's a three wide receiver league. Uh, so I ended up you know in my next three picks were all wide receivers fuller crowder deontay johnson um i mean deontay johnson was wide receiver 43 last year um so this this is a spot where i was really torn between picking deontay johnson or picking maybe micole hardman or you know taking someone like a like a C. D. lamb or uh you're one of the rookies but uh i ultimately went with Deontre, deontay johnson he's a guy we haven't talked about necessarily but uh he would finish his wide receiver 43 last year with, you know, Mason Rudolph and the likes here as quarterback. Uh, now, you know, he's another year in the league and he's got big Ben at quarterback here. And I, that's gotta be an improvement no matter what we get out of big Ben this year. So, uh, and the price was wide receiver forty three.
1: Right. Well, I was going so I'm going
2: to get profit there either way.
1: The only reason we haven't talked about Deontay Johnson is because he's become a, a weekly staple on the Thursday RotoWire podcast with John and Mario. I feel yep. like they, they're almost being paid off by Deontay Johnson supporters or deniers, I should say, to talk about him because mm-hmm. they've been they've been very they've been very aggressive discussing him, and they've they've mentioned on multiple occasions. The depth of target when it comes to Deontay Johnson compared to James Washington, who was drafted in the very back end of the your league as well as mine, the one that I took part of as well. Um, and then what that means mm-hmm. with Juju Smith-Schuster coming back from injury too. So I'm one of those guys that's that's probably a fading Deontay Johnson. But mm-hmm. if you're talking about a ninth round price on Deontay Johnson, yes. he's normally going seventh or eighth round mm-hmm. at the minimum. Yeah, yeah, Yeah. I'll gladly take him instead, so that's fine. I mean, like guys like Debo Samuel and Christian uh, Christian Kirk, and I love Christian Kirk, you wouldn't be able to take him when you have DeAndre Hopkins and Kyler Murray, Mm -hmm. but I'm taking Deontay Johnson over Christian Kirk every time. Debo Samuel might not even play for the first two or three weeks of the season. Yeah, I'll take Deontay Johnson too. So there's Mm -hmm. a point where, again, like this is why I hate answering like, who do you love and who do you hate? Well, okay, if you're saying, uh, do I want Kyler Murray in round 13 who – I'm like I'm not a huge Murray fan for where he's going, yeah. but sure, yeah, I'll gladly take it. I didn't,
2: don't, yeah, I didn't love Murray in the fifth round, but at the six, seven turn, exactly. yeah, go ahead and give me some of that. Yes. I mean Deontay Johnson 78 in an ADP over the last couple of weeks. You know, ended up getting him in the hundreds. So that's we'll incredible. That's it. great value. This yeah. my, my my big dilemma. It was uh, Crowder, Johnson, Micole Hardman, and Tariq Cohen. This was after the David Montgomery yeah. news. And I really wanted to work Tariq Cohen in. He ended up going two picks later. Except it was a situation where I already had McCaffrey, James Conner, and Le'Veon Bell. Where does Tariq Cohen fit into there? And I needed to address the receiver situation. So that was my dilemma. The other thing I wanted to talk about this draft is I ended up, you know, if you've seen my my portfolio so far, I just ended up bolstering. You know, I got more Fant, got Michael Pittman, I uh, got a Joe Burrow share. I'm happy with uh, Chiefs, both Chiefs kicker and defense stack. So we'll see how that goes. Um, but the thing I wanted to uh, touch on was. This was a draft that was a slow draft that was happening right as the Fortinet news got announced at around the 14 15 turn. So Reichel Armstead was out there for me to grab. I ended up grabbing Michael Pittman and the Chiefs team kicker because, again, Reichel Armstead, we're talking about a part of a committee on one of the worst teams in football. And I just had to address other needs, especially when, you know, I had, uh, you know, McCaffrey, Connor, Bell, uh, Madison. And then, you know, I didn't need to take another running back. I needed. I figured I get my sleeper wide receiver and go with it. And then after that, uh, the Texans went. The Eagles went. A couple of defense. Then Devontae Freeman went. Then the Falcons team kicker went. And then Raquel Armstead went. The sixth pick in the fifteen round to Tim Schuler. Good pick. I mean, he's a great guy to look at if you kind of punted running backs early on. I don't know how many people are really doing that this year, but um, I just wanted to kind of say how a draft reacted to the Fortnite news. And then two picks later at RB59, Chris Thompson went off the board. So both in the second to last round, those guys are going to be creeping up in ADP. I'm sure Jeff and uh, Chris talked about that significantly. Even over the last seven days, Armstead's 170. uh, But I, I bet you if you go over the last Three days, he'll be sneaking up there a lot. So that's kind of what happened with my draft. Um, I, I don't know what your if you have any initial impressions on there, or if you want to just move on to me.
1: Well, yeah. Well, I, I thought it was interesting. Uh, I've been in a lot of twenty team or 20, 20 round drafts, so Armstead selected every time. And and I thought for sure, yeah, he's going to be selected. I thought he was selected in my Sirius XM host draft. I went to go look. I don't think he was taken in there. Okay, well, he's got to be selected in our 16-round Vegas drafts. Mm-hmm. Well, no, the ones that were actually completed before the, that injury news came out, he was never selected before. So there's two more f- for those out there that are unfamiliar with this. Normally we draft the Vegas drafts when we are in Vegas every single year, and it's normally two – Twelve team leagues that go ahead and then compete against one another at the end of the season. Well, because we weren't in Vegas this year, we decided to come more like a Scott Fishbowl thing. We're going to have five different twelve team leagues out there, and they kind of compete towards the end. Mm -hmm. I kind of said I'll figure it out when I get there. So don't ask me any questions about the scoring system for playoffs and beyond. But just know we have sixty teams drafting. Three of the drafts had already been completed by by the news of Fornette's release. Mm -hmm. Your draft and only one other draft actually had that. Armstead was selected in the 13th round in one of the other drafts. I was taking time, and Chris Thompson was selected a couple picks before that. So mm-hmm. that was actually a little bit of a value for your league. And I'm surprised, I would bet, and we will probably have to talk about this uh, next week, but Armstead's going to be more of a 10 or $15 pickup player mm-hmm. um, we'll, we'll in definitely leagues and I haven't that haven't seen him. Yeah. Like, yeah, I, I, we'll, like we'll, mm-hmm. we'll well, he wasn't practicing today, so like there's there's Nobody. that information too. So like,
2: hopefully a week down the road when we're doing our waiver wire show, we can get there. <laughs> hey, can I can I interrupt this show with some breaking news? Yes, please. We need some breaking news to talk about. Joe Mixon and the Bengals have reached an agreement on a four-year contract extension, according to Adam Schefter of ESPN.
1: So I'm raising my fist. Yes. All right. There
3: we
2: yes. go. So if it was migraines, if it was holdout-related, whatever, it doesn't matter anymore. We got anymore. the conclusion we
1: needed. Yes, we got the conclusion we needed, and Joe Mixon... um Hold on, before we talk about this, this is good, but like, how quickly will his migraines disappear following this? Was it like a minute after he got the the sign on the dotted line? Mm Or I'm going to be curious. I'm like, I'm perversely curious to see if there was actually a migraine situation or if it was a contract hold up because we got what he needs. Is it going to be at practice mm-hmm. now for tomorrow?
2: Yeah. Our last sentence of the update says migraines have kept him out of practice for more than a week now, but he has made some appearances as an observer from the sidelines. Uh, Rappaport came in and said, this is worth uh 48 million over four years. So that keeps him with the team through 2024. Um, Go ahead and put Mixon into that into that safe group now, I think. All right, so
1: standard scoring first. Standard scoring, we have Hen- we both said Henry four. Mm-hmm. Is Mixon now five ahead of Nick Chubb for me or or for others out there? Uh, is he is he still kind of behind Kamara Cook um and you don't have Chubb that high either or like what for standard scoring first? Where do you guys so okay, so number one, I know Kamara is
2: holding out I'm having. I don't have any shares of him yet, but it's more of a case of where I ha, where I. You just haven't picked, got a chance to take him. Where, yeah, I haven't got a chance to take him yet. I don't know, even in PPR, that I'd necessarily take Henry over Kamara. I'd really stress over that. Um, but I would probably still take Kamara over Nixon. mixon but it's tight. Okay, it's very tight. And because again, I'm in ten different. I'll be in ten different leagues by the time this is all said and done. I don't mind taking on a risky player here and there. If you're in one. Hundred dollar league with all your hometown friends, and that is for all the bragging rights at all this year. Will you be a little less reluctant or, or uh, eager, I should say, to take that risk? You know, maybe. So, uh, so then I could see going, you know, Henry over Kamara if it's a non PPR, or mixing over Kamara if you know you, you end up drafting next weekend and there's still no res- resolution to the contract situation. I could buy that then. Um, it's so tough to you know definitively say that given all the different situations that that, that people are in here, but. Mixon solidifies himself in the first round. If you have picked seven, eight, if you have picked, let's say, six or seven and he's still on the board, I'd take him. I, I bump him ahead of Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. I think I might bump him ahead of Delvin Cook just because of that peace of mind.
1: I'm more worried about Kamara than I am Cook, and maybe it's just recency bias having seen Melvin Gordon and Le'Veon Bell uh, in past in successful years now kind of thwart these things, but this one feels real for the Saints, and I'm surprised. Um, Listen, Jeff talked about it yesterday. I didn't even think about, it, but like they paid Taysom Hill 16 million this year to do gadgety Taysom Hill things, but yet you can't pay Kamara probably like six million this year, and you can just backload the contract later on. Like, really. That was the choice you made. I, that that should be concerning. That that concerns me as a fantasy fantasy manager out there. So Do think I don't they're know. Worried,
2: they were worried about Drew Brees' durability, maybe, and that could have. Well, came that's into why play you signed bit? Winston
1: for less than a million dollars to be oh, your backup oh, quarterback, oh, of right? So I, like I
2: was on my way to check the depth chart, and I was like, oh yeah, there's Jameis.
1: Well, that's no, there. it's okay. And I, I don't think the Saints believed that Winston was going to be available in this free agent market. and They just took advantage. I mean, you, mm-hmm. that's fine. The, the compensatory pick you're going to get from Winston next year is fantastic. That's not the point. I'm just saying, like. Even still, whether Hill was going to be your backup to Breeze or not, you decide to make what was a gadget quarterback more of a priority than your all-star running back who has done everything for the offense. Latavius Murray's good. Murray cannot do mm-hmm. what Kamara can do. So yeah. that's that's where I'm like, what is going on? Yeah, well, in the Kamara thing, this
2: isn't a situation where he's asking for a new deal, you know, two, three years out, which can happen on occasion. Uh, I'm looking at Track right now. He's set to make $2.1 million this year. Fine. But it is the last year of his deal. He'd be headed to be an unrestricted free agent in 2021. So either the Saints are just all in this year. This is going to be our plans. Let's hope everyone's happy and go. Um, or they're going to have to pay him if they want to keep him around, and that becomes really, really difficult. So, uh,
1: To answer your question, I have Mixon, I'll have i have Mixon now behind Henry and behind Chubb, so number six overall in the standard scoring. I'm pushing Mixon up. I, I think it will be Edwards, Hilaire, Cook, and Mixon. That's how. It, so Mixon is either seven or eight on that list, and I, I'm okay with Michael Thomas too. I just want to get more running backs. But that's more of a yeah. strategic, strategical choice. If you want to take Michael Thomas ahead of those guys, mm-hmm. fine, whatever. For me,
2: at this point, it's getting a lot easier to push Mixon ahead of Edwards-Hilaire. It's Delvin Cook where I really have to sit down and think about it. How much do I think he's going to be affected by this whole load situation? The uh, run pass distribution. Well, Cook is back.
1: I mean, like it's he's not he's not Cook isn't holding out. He does have a contract coming up. But one of my, mm-hmm. I want to make he's you, not holding you know out. I know but he's displeased. The, Used. there's a distinction that should be made because Kamara for all indications and purposes is holding out. This is I know you can't really do it in the CBA so we have to go like quote unquote he is holding out. Cook is a, a participating in practice and everything else. Cook has injury concerns, yes, and and that's why I think if anything he's got to have a really good year this year if he wants to get paid mm-hmm. like he should be paid for the talent he has. That being said though, like I Kamara's situation scared me. I'll take Cook ahead of him. I'll take Mixon ahead of Kamara. I, I'm not ready to take Josh Jacobs in a full point PPR league, or Aaron Jones or Kenny Drake or Miles Sanders. That's my cutoff line. But still, that's a guy that's maybe going fourth overall in PPR leagues right now. That probably is more like a eighth or ninth overall selection at this point. That's how mm-hmm. this kind of three or four day holdout period has affected my thoughts for him.
2: Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm all in on that. And you know, yeah, maybe you talked me off the ledge of moving Mixon past <laughs> past Elvin Cook, but. uh I'm confident now on the one thing lingering over his head is now taken care of. So let's go nuts guys.
1: Yeah, that's, that's good. Um, well, I think that really does it for us again next week. We're gonna be back, um, giving you your first official breakdown of free agent pickups. I'm sure right. Armstead, um, and probably Chris Thompson are going to be huge names to talk about as well. Uh, and, and maybe if there's more information that happens throughout the rest of the week, we have a few more free agent pickups to work on. But I'll be looking mm-hmm. forward to doing that, as will Jake, for the rest of the NFL season. Again, every Tuesday, we'll be right there with you breaking down the top mm-hmm. free agent pickups to have for your leagues yep. uh, and it, kind of going over both. This the- is going
2: to be juicy. Will former Packer Ty Montgomery make an appearance on the show if Alvin Kamara is not gonna play week one. Yeah, we'll have to see. We... there's a lot there's a lot that could change in one week's time and it'll be interesting in situations like that, little tidbits where we'll have you covered, we'll see what that Jacksonville backfield's all about. We'll see what any of these lingering holdouts and injuries are all about. You know, if uh if you're gonna be the Jets and mark your whole receiver depth chart is questionable. <laughs> who knows that that's gonna that's gonna make that something should affect happening. things yes. yeah that'll affect things so yeah. next year this year was kind of just a, a I don't know a, a hodgepodge of topics this week you know yeah, talking week. about the news a couple of drafts but uh next week it's bread and butter you guys so i hope uh, you're ready to tune in and, and get those week one fab bits ready to go
1: yeah i'm looking forward to it as well and uh thanks for listening everyone
3: mypatriotsupply.com.